today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. April 5th, 2019 marks 25 years since Kurt Cobain's tragic suicide. Inducted posthumously into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, along with his Nirvana bandmates in uh, their first year of eligibility back in 2014. Seems like yesterday, as we bring in our next guest, Eric Alper, publicist, music commentator, all-around great guy here on the Scott Thompson Show. Eric, how are you? I'm good. It seems like yesterday, this is the kind of stuff that makes me feel really old. I know. 25 years has gone by in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think part of it is that, um, you know, unlike, I think, you know, when David Bowie passed away, I, I would probably think that even most of his kind of diehard fans weren't really following him in the last 10 or 15 years of his life you know he took a little bit of a of a break from music and then when he came back with the record you know obviously it didn't sell as much as it did in the 70s but i think with kurt cobain they went so fast so far in such little time that we've never been able to escape that kind of music you can hear pearl jam and nirvana and soundgarden and Alice in Chains and all of that grunge music still today on a regular basis whenever you go look for it. I think the saddest part about this is that we never got to see him perform time and time again because who knows, he may not have even achieved the height of his career. He may have done something even greater. I mean, it's debatable, but you just never know. We were, as as music fans, almost robbed of that. Yeah, I and and there there's a couple of people that got to hear what Kurt Cobain and Nirvana were working on. One of them was Michael Stipe from REM, and they developed a really close friendship at the end of Kurt's life. In fact, Kurt looked up to REM as a band that stuck to their morals and was able to play the industry game and produce really great music. Um, Michael Stipe has gone on record in saying that their next album was going to be like REM's classic Automatic for the People record. Really great songs, more orchestral, more acoustic, a little bit quieter. And Michael Stipe was actually going to be, uh, I mean, he was really, really excited about what their next album was going to be sounding like. But, you know, no tapes, even to this day, have been ever released based on the music that Kurt was working on at the time of his death. It's pretty phenomenal that we haven't been able to hear that. Yeah, especially in this day and age yeah. where, like, even the worst-sounding demos have found its way to the top of of, uh, of, of everybody's, you know, Twitter feed or social media, um, Maven, um, you know, influence. It, it, it's one of those things where I don't know if we'll ever hear them. I don't know how far they got, and nobody's really talking about it. And I think that if it would have came out, it probably would have been around now because, you know, influence as big as the Beatles are somewhere down the line, their influence and their popularity is going to wane as well. So, you know, the music industry is never short of uh, of exploiting its catalog, that's for sure. Kurt Cobain really had, obviously, his issue. He, he had a lot of demons that he was struggling with. Mm. Yeah, from a very early age, when his parents divorced, when he was uh, when he was a kid, he went to go... Um, move with his with other members of his family, with his grandmother, with his aunt, with his sister. Never really just found his footing, and was always, you know, that lonely, bullied kid. And sometimes even, in fact, did the bullying. He had a lot of anger issues, and um, uh, that just kind of manifested into him playing punk music and rock and roll. Developed a, a, a drug habit. Um, was an alcoholic. Just was never 
really satisfied with things that that was given to him by the industry or the fan base. He was always looking to be angry about something. And that's not to say that that you know the anger was misplaced. You know, producers would say that you know for one hour he would be amazing and smiling and happy. And the next hour, he would just be in the corner brooding and moody. And, Dave, you know, Dave Grohl even said that, you know, who was the drummer in Nirvana and now, of course, in Foo Fighters, that he was one of the funniest guys to ever be around. And that might be a side that we never get to see or take a look at or think about of him being a real live person. But certainly his heroin abuse and other drug problems that he had with overdoses um, overtook any of the happiness that we remember him from. In, in reading some of the stories uh, about his life and times, one one of them really caught my eyes. You know, he's he's celebrating his 14th birthday, and his uncle says, hey, do you want a bike or a guitar? And he chooses yeah. a guitar. And that's it's amazing how things work out. Yeah, and the BMX world loses out on yet another national championship <laughs> biker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny how, you know, uh, I, I mean, how many countless you know, boys or girls end up with, with a, an instrument in their hand at an early age and, and just ditch it due to a horrible piano teacher or just boredom or, you know, their, their, um, you know, their likes and love changes. But, you know, Kurt definitely stuck with it and hung out and, um, you know, with other musicians as a teenager and really delve into the scene and the lifestyle of, of punk rock growing up in Washington. So it was only, I think, a matter of time before he was actually going to turn professional and record an album with, with Nevermind, with the Bleach um, debut. But, you know, nobody had any expectations for Nevermind. In fact, they shipped out just over 46,000 copies of the album, and the record label, Geffen, said that it was going to be a success if they just hit uh, 250,000 copies by the end of the year, um, you know, within a year cycle. Well, you know, at one point when they were number one on billboard they were selling 350,000 copies a week and those numbers are just unheard of and you know you look back at how the industry is now with streaming i mean we may never see another band like this ever again that completely dominates and changes not only music culture but fashion and everything that comes with it even though he's no longer with us his his uh, you know long lasting legacy is going to be the the birth or, or the emergence of the grunge scene do you think he was saddled with that was he was he happy with being the face of that movement, so to speak? Yeah, I, I, I think in some parts, but I think in other parts, he was just, he was never consistent in his feelings. He wanted fame more than any other person, um, but he never really wanted it on anybody's terms. When he, when the band posed for the Rolling Stone cover, you know, he finally reached the pinnacle of success of being on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine, but he wore a t-shirt that says, corporate magazine still sucks. <laughs> so he did it on his own terms, but, you know... Uh, where he loved playing to 50,000 people, he probably hated 48,000 of them because they were made up of jocks or girls that would turn him down in high school or very good-looking, pretty people that he had no time for or racist people or homophobic people. Uh, Just groups of society that he always consistently spoke out against. Um, But he certainly took their record sales in stride and, and loved his bank account. No, certainly. Do you still hear the conspiracy theories that he was murdered instead of taking his own life? I love conspiracies more than anybody else, um, to to a point. Like, I would never actually tell anybody what my, you know, but it it makes a good what-if story about, you know, well, 
you know, Kurt Cobain wanted to break up the band. Um, what better villain than Courtney Love, who had a love-hate relationship with the media and people around her? Um, you know, the conspiracy theory would be that, you know, Courtney Love ended up doing, you know, doing the deed with full backing of Nirvana to keep that catalog alive. And so you know, while it makes for an interesting story, um, you know, I, I don't think that it happened, but you know what? I've been, I've been in this music industry long enough to know that never say never. <laughs> yeah, very true. Certainly a short life, but uh, a tremendous legacy that he has left behind. And it's too bad we uh, can't uh, uh, continue to hear new works of Kurt Cobain. But tragically, 25 years ago, he, he took his own life. Uh, Eric, thanks for the time today. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great weekend. You too. Eric Alper, publicist, music commentator, content creator, shameless idealist, he likes to call himself, reflecting on the life and times, the short life and times of Kurt Cobain. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.